We continue here this morning in the book of Philippians uh, chapter 4. We're going to pick it up here in just a little bit. But um, getting started, uh, I'm sorry to admit this, but I'm just not the sharpest tool in the, in the drawer, okay? <laughs> you know, there's times where with a message like this, you have to uh, admit some things, and um, it was, I think it was last year, the year before, um, you know, if you've seen our backyard, uh, you don't want to see our backyard. Um, I tried to get rid of some weeds, and in getting rid of the weeds, I think I tripled my, my harvest tripled the the load there you know i i felt really stupid afterwards it was like you know you you get out there and you get the pick out and the shovel and you dig up these weeds and then later on you realize well there's a lot of seeds around here and uh so the next year it's even you know this year even thicker um and things like that, that we deal with in life, that sometimes you end up thinking, gee, I wish I would have thought of that. I wish I would have thought through that, that process. And so it is, um, last week, when we addressed this, this passage in Philippians 4, about how to stand firm, how to stand firm in the Lord, okay? We... We looked at these passages in, in these first six or seven verses and said, here's, here's some easy steps to remember in how to stand firm in your faith in the Lord. And many times, we Christians, we say, well, I've been saved X amount of years, and yet, in our very practice, we show we're not very mature. And we're not really thinking and that's what we wanted to try and look at here and see that. And so last week, we, you see it in your, in your outline, in your, in your bulletin. You want to look at that. Uh, we covered four points last week and said, let's, let's do our best and, and let's learn to live in harmony from what Paul said to Euodia and Syntyche in the beginning of chapter 4 there. And then let's learn to live joyfully. Let's, that's a choice. Um, the little chorus we sang at the beginning of our service, I will rejoice. That's my choice in the Lord. I, I, I rejoice. I, I'll make that choice in my life. And then live gracefully. Let your moderation or your forbearing spirit be known unto all men. In verse 5, the Lord is near. And then live prayerfully. Uh, looking at verse 6, do not be anxious in anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, being thankful, let your request be made known unto God, and, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will be with you. It'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, anytime that you're having a... If you're saying, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ... That's your claim. That's what you're standing on. That anytime you're having struggles, here's an excellent passage to go to right away and, and evaluate. Examine yourself by this passage. And so we come to this next verse. And um, being that I'm, I said and admitted, I'm not the sharpest tool in the drawer here. So let's keep it simple. In verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. So, point number five is, live thoughtfully. Real simple. Just live thoughtfully. Now, we're going to define that and probably take the whole morning to define it. To live thoughtfully. And so I need to probably catch up here in my verses here with our screen here, okay? 
So, if you were to look up the word thoughtfully, you would see it, it means careful reason thinking. Now, how best do we do this? Live thoughtfully, more simplicity, by thinking, all right? Just by thinking. And he gives us how to think here. You're saying, boy, this is really tough. Yeah. (laughs) Thinking in the way he gives it. Okay? And specifically, it's scriptural thinking, Christian. Scriptural thinking. And Paul here gives a simple, profound, crystal clear grid that you can look through and see, here's, here's how God wants me to think. Okay? The mind must have something with which to occupy itself. Even right now, this very moment, if we were to be able to put up on the screen all the different thoughts that are going on in my mind and your minds, oh boy, we probably wouldn't want to see that. But hopefully our, our thoughts and our minds are focused right now on hearing God's word and wanting that, hungry for that. So thinking that is focused on these things. And I'll tell you what, my friend, <laughs> it's surprising how simple this is and yet how much we fail or miss out on actually doing it. Because what happens is, typically, something comes up in my life, circumstances hit me, and my first thought is not with what Bible says here, think about what's true, but I think about what I've just experienced. And then I want to process that. And the question is, does my mind then go in this direction of verse 8? Is that where my mind is going? And I have to admit, many times, no, it's not where it's going because I want to, I want to control things. I want to deal with things my own way. And so therefore, I, I'm not thinking about what is true. What is true? What is real? Right? And when we ask this question about this first one, what is true? It's about God's truth. And God says that He is true. Jesus says He is truth. And the Word of God claims that it is truth. So there you go. Here's where we go to. We turn to the Lord. We trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding, our natural tendencies. We lean on Him. We trust in Him. And we go to the Word of truth. The more that you're doing that, the more you're saying, hey, I'm going to think on what is truth. But we have to be careful because contrary to this is many things that masquerade as truth. Right? Layman Strauss, an author, uh, Bible commentator, Bible teacher, Layman Strauss wrote this. He said that a sound rule of mind, or I'm sorry, a sound rule of mental health is to be genuinely and sincerely true to God, true to our fellow man, and true to our responsibilities. Okay? There's a sign of a sound rule of mental health. And personally, this has been something, this, this passage has been a big help in dealing with what we've been going through in our family. Because of the, the rush of thoughts that hit after losing our daughter. Losing, I say. <laughs> you know, the thought, all sorts of thoughts come up. But... What helped was seeing this in the Word of God. Whatever is true. What do you believe about life? What do you believe about death? And yeah, it challenged my, the core of our beings. 
And yet when you come back to a simple statement saying, whatever is true. And a person who's a believer and dies, the Bible says they're absent from the body and present with the Lord. Okay? And so your mind has to come back to these things. What is true? And then it goes on to say, what's honorable? What is honorable? What does that mean? Something that's noble. You know, the Bereans, in Acts chapter 17, they were labeled as noble, honorable, dignified, okay? Honorable. Things that are worthy of respect. I know that's a foreign language in our day and age with like our young people, maybe. (laughs) But something that's worthy of respect. Think on that. Then the third one, just or right. Just righteous, right thinking versus wrong versus evil. To both, in, in both, it's a human standard and a divine standard. Think on the things that are true, honorable, and right. Then it moves into pure. Whatever is pure, morally clean, undefiled. Another word used is stainless. Now, if we stop right there, we would have another, you know, I don't know how many other messages we could talk about regarding that one thing. Your mind going with what is impure. How often does that happen? And God's calling you to, Christian, for you to come back to say, I want to think on these things. I want to think on what is pure. Think on what is Lovely. That word meaning beauty of character. Not talking about outward beauty necessarily, but beauty of character. What is attractive? What is winsome? Lovely. Then the sixth one, commendable. Commendable. Of good repute is another translation that we have. Of good repute. Well thought of. Okay. Now, I don't know if many of you saw that movie with um, something about national treasure. I don't recall the actual exact title of the name. Nicholas Cage was in the movie, and he was looking for the you know he he, he loved the you know the old historic stuff, right? And he was a treasure hunter. And somehow he stumbled on finding these glasses. I don't know if you remember that, but I thought what a great illustration here of taking a, you know, what, we, what we've seen in the movies and, and relating that to truth here in Philippians 4, verse 8. But when the bad guys got a hold of the glasses, what happened? They, they didn't use all the lenses. There, there's about four different lenses on all the, you know, on each side of the glasses here, and you've got to, you know, put them together. And when they looked, at, looked uh, through the glasses at the first start, they didn't see the, the full message in the paperwork or whatever. I don't know. I'm probably messing up this illustration right now. But the idea was when Nicolas Cage got him, he put them all together and he saw through the perspective and he saw the message. And that's the idea here that we don't just take one of them and say, oh, I'll just look through what is true. But you take all six And you know what we end up seeing, really, is the person of Jesus Christ. More and more clearly, the more we get to disciplining our minds to do this, the more we can see what Jesus wants. And then he says, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, let your mind, what? I gotta turn it. There we go. Anything excellent, worthy of praise, think about these things. Let your mind dwell on these things. Now, the word dwell there is not just, uh, like we normally think of to be at home. 
it's a different word. It's the word legizomai, which means to evaluate, to ascertain. So mentally, what you're doing is you're, you're taking these six virtues and thinking them through and evaluating your circumstances through the, the lens of these virtues. Look at your situation and how do you respond? You know, we respond in all sorts of different ways. But how often do we really respond with these six virtues? I'm going to stop and think about what's true. I'm going to stop and think about what's honorable. Okay? Now, what is, let me back up a step here. Stopping and thinking about what is true is really a foundational issue. That's a foundational thing. I want to go back to what is true. Okay? And there's all sorts of categories, folks. We're try- I'm trying to get a little practical right now. And that is, there's all sorts of categories to, to put these glasses on and look through them at home. In your relationships at home. You know, um, many of you are married. Husbands, wives, you've gotten into, you know, we, we all, we all get into habits. And a lot of times we're not thinking along lines of what's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. We're thinking about, I, 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 I don't know how many times I've told you, I just don't like that. Don't you get this message here kind of thing. <laughs> what are you looking at her for? You're supposed to look at each other here. You all have responses like that. We all do. And so the challenge is to think scripturally. Think biblically. Okay? Let your mind dwell on these things. So, guess what opens up right now? Being in the Word. You have to be in the Word and spend time in the Word to have this kind of mindset and this kind of perspective. Otherwise, you will veer off course because your mind, it'll get deceived. You will get deceived in, in what you're going through. Now, let me just, I don't know how much we're going to get through because there's just a lot in my mind about this issue, this subject. And I, I want to do my best to keep coming back to practical issues that you will then say, I want to apply this in my life. But let me say this. Do we truly use this grid to help us in our mental processing? Are we using this grid? In verse 8, do we know the grid? Can we put those glasses on and say, I'm, I'm looking at what... You know, these, these six virtues. Is this what I'm doing? Is this what I'm helping my children to learn more of? Let me say this now. We typically, I'm throwing out a big general statement, I realize. We're not standing firm in the Lord because of how we think. We're not standing firm in the Lord because of what we think. And that's thrown out to be a challenge to you and to me. We need to be challenged about how we're thinking and what we're thinking about. Typically, we think more from the earthly, worldly perspective than from a scriptural perspective. And I want to challenge myself and you, dear folks, to be saying, I want to put those glasses on and and look through those lenses at my situation, at my job, at, at all the things that are going on. How we think is really much like Eve thought when she was addressed by Satan. And it's Genesis chapter 3. And... Um, You can just mark that down in Genesis 3. We're not going to turn there, but let me just walk you through this here. 
She first bought into Satan's lie. She believed she had a choice in the matter at hand. Think of that. Stop and think of that. She thought she had a choice. Let me ask you, did she have a choice? (laughs) According to who did she have a choice? According to her, she had a choice. God said what? Don't eat that. Don't eat from that tree. So, there's the, there's the start of it. She believed she could determine the best choice with her mind, which effectively deleted God's command from the equation. It was no longer authoritative. She conducted three basic tests. She asked, okay, she didn't ask this, but here's what comes out from it. It was like, here's, here's the physical value. The physical value, what was it? Oh, it looked, what? Good to the eyes. There's good physical value then. Then the fruit was a delight. It was a delight to her eyes. There's the aesthetic value, the emotional value. It, it was like, oh, this is, this is all still... It's rolling up good momentum, good things. Did it have an intellectual value? Yeah, because what would it do if she took of it? It would make her wise. So that was, you know, here's a summary of mental processing. What she concluded was that God was really wrong, that God really had withheld something from her. And this is really how humanity's, this is how humanity's ability to see and understand life from God's perspective was now wiped out. You follow that? Humanity's ability to see and understand life from God's perspective is now wiped out. Why? Because she took of the fruit, ate it, and gave it to Adam, and he ate it, and the, the fall of mankind in rebellion and sin against God. So due to sin, everything is affected, right? Creation was affected. And here now, the way someone thinks is now affected because of the fall. It's the ruin of man's mind. I want to show you some verses of what the Bible says about the mind apart from Christ. Okay? Romans 1. You can follow along. If you want to mark them down, just you can mark them down. We're going to go quick here. Romans 1. God gave them up to a debased mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14 talks about the Israelites who still have the veil over their sights as they read the Old Covenant and their minds were hardened. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 talks about Satan blinding the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the what? The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. You talk to unsaved people, they do not acknowledge Jesus as God in His glory. Okay? Because why? Bible says here, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, they're blinded. Okay? Ephesians 4, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the what? The futility of their minds. They are, in the, ver- the next verse, verse 18, they are darkened in their same kind of thought here, in their understanding. Colossians 1, and you were once alienated hostile in mind to God, doing evil deeds. See, that's the, that's the statement from God and His Word about mankind and His mind. And this one especially, Christian, this is directed to us. You were once, past tense, alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Then moves on to Colossians 2, another reference of it. Uh, let no one disqualify you. Going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. Again, someone apart from faith in Christ that's exercising their mind in this way. First uh, Timothy 6.5, uh, there's constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived 
of the truth. And then Second Timothy 3, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind. And you're saying, my goodness, this is pretty nasty sounding uh, category. You know, and again, this is something that you just, you take, you take into consideration. Here's a, a topical study of the Bible, of the mind of man. And here's what you come up with. Titus 1, 15. Their minds and their consciences are defiled. But, you Christian... Paul says in Ephesians 4.23 that we are to put on the new man. We're to put off the old, put on the new man, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Okay, so that's what relates to this, this study of let your mind think about these things. Because you and I, if we're not, you know, yielded, submitted to the Lord in in the affairs of life, my mind is going to stray. My mind will get off track. I need to be alert to that. Listen, in salvation, Christ rescues the man who has fallen. Christ rescues those who are lost, those who are fallen, those who are sinners, rebels. Christ rescues them and brings them back and makes a right relationship with God. Reconciliation. Okay. And so through that, Christ brings about a redeemed mind. And now the believing soul is then equipped with his very own woo, helmet of salvation. <laughs> why, why does Paul give that picture? The helmet of salvation is so that it'll protect your mind. It'll protect your mind in what? In the things of salvation. And it's not just an old decision that you made 20 years ago, my friend. Oh, I already did that. No, it's to carry on day in, day out in thinking thoughts that are pleasing to God and responding to life situations. The song that Patty sang is just beautiful. In the sound of it, but in the message of it. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, when you face a trial, a difficulty, can you quote that? Can you quote that to yourself? Because when you do, then you can follow up with the phrase, and I will not be, what? Afraid. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. So, if you are God's child, He wants your mind to be renewed in the things that He's given us in His Word. He's provided us with His Word. Okay, He's provided us with the Spirit of God residing in our, in our lives. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is from God. So let your mind dwell on these things or think about these things, and that's in a imperative, it's a command from God. It's not just a, um, just a normal statement, it's a, an imperative. Think on these things, okay? Dwell on them. Evaluate these things, okay? So, the key idea then, in this, let your mind dwell on these things, is to formulate, or even to recognize a, a better way of Thought. A habit of thought. All of us have our habits of thought. What you dwell on will dominate your mind. Okay? What you dwell on will dominate your mind. Men, if there's anyone here today that, and you're, you're struggling with pornography, you gotta drop that. You gotta stop that. And if you need help, please come talk about it. Open up to, you know, it's going to destroy your life. It'll destroy your family, your marriage. Recognize that. 
you know, we are creatures of habit. But I fear that our habit of thought does not take verse 8 into consideration like it should be. Here's another illustration. (laughs) I used to work in a tasty freeze. You had to clean out the vat of grease. That's a pretty vivid picture when you're serving food. And I haven't seen anyone lately carrying out bottles of lard as a part of their groceries. That's an exaggeration, I realize. But see, you you would never, especially in our day and age, now with all this concern about being overweight and all that, you would never see that. You know, people want to eat healthy. Right? Yeah? It's right up here in the front row. They want to eat healthy, right? Sure. But the correlation, the jump is this. So what are we feeding our minds? What are we dwelling on in our minds? Computer? Media, magazines, newspapers, kind of dwelling off there and moving off. But what about TV watching, movies, and etc., etc.? All those things are coming in. Do they match up with... Here's, here's our, our list of six. Do those match up? And a lot of times we just say, well, you know, here it is. I, you know, and I can't, I can't say... You've got to stop all that. That's, that's your choice. That's what you need to decide. What am I going to do? What am I going to allow to be filtering through my mind? Okay. Let me mention some other things. I'm going to maybe step on some feet. Or toes, as we say. Step on some toes. What about your, your, your listening to music? What kind of music are you listening to? And there's nothing wrong with uh, the different forms of music per se, but is that what you're feeding on? And if you're the type like me, I know that that affected my mind in a very bad way back in the day. I, it, it filled my thought life. And it affects then my relationships. And how you think... Let me direct this to our young people all over. How you think is very critical as you get into more interest in the opposite sex. And how you're thinking versus what the world says is critical. Okay? Um, There's some difficult stuff that we've gone through in our church life and in our families because young people decided that it doesn't really matter what God says. I'm going to go and do this. And so I want to encourage all of us about how we're thinking because as a man thinks, so he, what, what does Proverbs say? So he is. As a man thinks or as a woman thinks, so he or she is. And if you're open to the way it is in this world, young people, if you're going to dabble in that, understand you, you'll you get burned. One way or another, it'll be a burn. And we want to encourage you. You know, the majority of everyone in here that's older than 30 years old or whatever, they've learned lessons the hard way. And we want to encourage you to choose what God's telling us here. Choose that. That's wise. That's good. I want to mention another area. And it's regarding our reading. What we read and what we have been given. I haven't commented in this in the past. But I think it's important that we just mention it very briefly. And that is regarding the book, The Shack. Um, It's been now a couple of years since it's been out uh, by William Young. And really, 
it's, it's a book that is very popular. And the, the issue is, here's someone that's been hurt. There's been great pain in their life. And it's a story that's supposed to kind of ease the pain. But the problem is, it becomes more of a feel-good look at God. It helps us to feel good about God and who He is. And it's more of a casual, relaxed, very informal approach to God. And we are very... Listen, if the shack never was written... You and I, Christian, we are very, still very susceptible to deception. And I'm not questioning the man's motive in this. I'm just making observation. It's in our own nature. It's our own tendency to make God more into our own image. Right? We want to make God into our own image. If you don't understand that, that's, I believe that's a reality. That's the way it is in, with people. How wise is it to make Jesus out to be really cool and laid back? A real cool dude. Real cool dudette in this story's uh, context. How, how, how appropriate is that? When Scripture's crying out, about Jesus. Holy, holy, holy. Yes, there is pain that we deal with in life, but that does not give anyone the go-ahead to have a dumbed-down about God. Even in some of our music, in our, in our Christian music, you know, if it's been said before, maybe you've heard it even, you know, where it's like, if you, you know, you could find this, this song on the pop music station because it's, it's just a general love song. You know, and, you know, we as Christians just like, we can, oh, yeah, and I love the Lord. And it, it moves us to, because it's music and it moves us. <laughs> but it's not really getting specific about who we're supposed to love. I don't know. There's just a lot of things. You know, you know me. Most of you, you know me. It's not like I'm hardcore, you know, hardlined on a lot of these things. But I think it's important that we raise these issues in all the different areas, because our minds are not putting the glasses on to evaluate and to think through, is this true? Is this honorable? I love this quote. It's from G.K. Chesterton. Now, we hear this, we hear this from time to time, the, the counsel to have a, you know, let's just have an open mind. You hear that? Let's have an open mind. Well, Chesterton wrote this. Merely having an open mind is nothing. The object of opening the mind, as of opening the mouth, is to shut it again on something solid. And so that we are contemplating that. We're thinking that over. So, why do I need a time in the Word? I'm going to run through this quickly, then we'll wrap it up with a conclusion. Why I need time in the Word? Because that's the answer. I need time in the Word from what 1 Peter 2 tells me. Like newborn infants. Are you in God's family? If you are, then like newborn infants. Long for, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow in respect of 
salvation or to salvation. I need a daily cleansing by being in the word. Okay. First John one nine, not only through the confession of my sins, but also to renew my mind. Romans 12, one and two and Ephesians four. Okay, number three, I need to look in the mirror. It's really embarrassing to get up in front of 200 some people and have something on my face. Right? Well, more importantly, it's about what James tells us about the mirror of God's word. Getting an accurate picture of yourself from God's perspective. I need counsel. I need his direction. I need his guidance. Psalm 119 Thy servant meditates on thy statutes. They, thy testimonies also are my delight. They're my counselors. I need his protection. I, I've got all sorts of deceptions, all sorts of temptations. And many of them I generate myself. Yes, the enemy is out there wanting to deceive, wanting to trip me up, but... It doesn't take much for me to get off track, for you to get off track from the will of God. And thus, that's what brings us to this issue. There's so many of us that, you know, we struggle in life. Why? Because we're not thinking on the things that God's laid out simply before us. Spiritual nutrition, daily cleansing, look in the mirror, His guidance, His counsel, His protection. So, I want to mention this also. Um, Jesus, Jesus wanted his followers to be thinkers. He constantly said things like, you know, consider what? Consider the lilies. Look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air. Um, think about this. He constantly bringing up things like that to cause his disciples to, to think. Okay? Now, I don't have it on the screen, but I want you to turn to Psalm 32. Psalm 32. Okay. Psalm 32, how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away. Okay, now listen. When we avoid and or neglect confessing our sin, something happens in your body. <laughs> Stuff starts happening. I don't have all the examples of what happens, but bitterness grows in. Hard-heartedness gets going. The more you'll say, I, I need to confess my sin and walk close with God. Okay, and look at verse 4. Day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My, my vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Oh, verse 5. I acknowledged my sin to thee, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will tr confess the transgressions or my transgressions to the Lord. And thou didst forgive the guilt of my sin. See, and here's, here's another issue, folks, I want to mention. And that is, some of you understand that there's been forgiveness of sins, but you don't really believe it. And it shows in how you live. When you understand that God in Christ has forgiven you, You've been washed as white as snow. And the guilt is not there. But yet somehow, someway, Christians still manage to live in guilt. And it shows up in their lives. Jump to verse 8. 
in, in Psalm 32, look at it. I will instruct you and teach you in the way in which you should go. That's regarding your mind. It's directed at your thoughts. I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And then he says, look, come on, don't be like the horse or the mule. Now, some of you might want to come up to me afterwards and say, but a mule is really an intelligent animal. Or a horse is... I'm not wanting to hear that. He's not really referring to that. What he's referring to is that they're stubborn. And you and I, we get into habits of thought and we are stubborn in those things and we've got to just get the lens out of Scripture, Philippians 4, verse 8, and put those on. Say, is it true? Is it honest? Okay? Is it... Is it lovely? Is it pure? So, he's saying, don't, don't be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding. Okay? Look at verse 10 and 11. Many other sorrows the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. Okay? So, I want to challenge you today. What's the habit of thought that you have? What's your, what's your default in your mind? Where do you go when you have tough stuff hit you? It's not just to prayer. Yes, he says, don't be anxious, but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. <clears throat> Let your request be made known unto God. Okay? So, we pray. We, we need to be living prayerfully, but here, living thoughtfully, because now God's calling you to think through this issue and to think with these lenses on. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, just, pure, lovely, and commendable. So, that's our challenge. God wants us to think, okay? Now, here's what I'd like to do. Um, Tim, if you'll please just turn the lights off, except for this light right up here. And the overflows. If you'll just close your eyes and bow your head. And I want you to listen to God's word. Just be quiet. Just ask God for concentration here and attention to his word. We're going to be walking out of here in moments. But just let God's word speak to you. The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace. Because he trusts in you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me. Your consolations delight my soul. Seven times a day I praise you. Because of your righteous ordinances. Those who love your law. Have great peace. And nothing causes them to stumble. Keep sound wisdom and discretion so, you'll, you, so they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Then you will walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden fear nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Nor let it be fearful. 
These things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Well, Lord, author of the book, we bow before You and we give You thanks. Thank You, Lord, for the salvation that's provided alone in Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that You would bring about saving grace and saving faith to those who do not yet know You. I pray, Lord, that You would grow Your children, help them to hunger after Your Word, and help them to experience the peace of God which passes understanding. Lord, help us to be doers of the Word and not just hearers only. Lord, that we might stand out as a shining light on a hill in a dark world that gives You the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.